Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. Again, to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. And John, you may recall that a couple of months ago, during the 127th episode of Gamble On, our guest, Cousin Sal Iacano, warned us that if we interview Pete Rose on episode 130, he might walk out on us. Maybe wait till 140 or 150, Sal advised. Well, we like to live dangerously because here we are at episode 138 and we're not waiting until a few minutes into the show to reveal who our guest is. I'm saying it right at the top. Pete Rose will be here on the podcast this week. Charlie Hustle himself as he celebrates his 80th birthday this week. John, you've interviewed a million famous athletes in your day. So what's the excitement level like for Pete? And do you have a particular Pete Rose memory from his playing days that stands out? Uh, well, you know, I mentioned before, I, I don't seem to possess a, uh, is it an awmeter or an awmometer? I'm not sure. It's a, <laughs> I like awmometer. Uh, I like the sound of that. Or mon- an awmometer. Yeah, I don't really have the awe thing. I mean, I once hung around long enough after a press conference in Manhattan surrounding the NBA's 50 greatest players list that they put out in the ni- mid-1990s. Mm-hmm. And it wound up just being me, Will Chamberlain, and Bill Russell, the three of us. Uh, right. And I just thought it was fun. It's well known they had a stretch of estrangement, but by then, clearly, things have been patched up. You know, Celtics always played in Philadelphia on Thanksgiving in the 1960s, and Bill would have holiday dinner with the Chamberlains every year, and they just loved telling those stories and all the little details. So, I mean, if Russell and Chamberlain, and I, I once interviewed Wilt one-on-one, if they don't move the needle, I don't think anybody will, so uh, not even Pete. Uh, as far as his career, uh, it's the two collisions, really. He, he clotheslined poor AL catcher uh, Ray Fossey in the All-Star game one year to score a run, and yeah. he whomped into little Mets shortstop Bud Harrelson to try to break up a double play in the 1973 NLCS, leading to a brawl. I think, you know, Pete was born in fifth gear. That's just why he sprinted to first base in every walk and why he did what he did for better and for worse. And at age 80 on a Zoom link for us, I think he still looks like he's in fifth gear and he's going <laughs> to die in fifth gear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he doesn't know much less than fifth gear. I think that's that's yeah. right. Um, so I, I'm a tiny bit too young to remember the 1980 Phillies championship team. Mm-hmm. I started watching baseball in 82. Uh, but so I do remember well the Wheez kids of 83, as they were known, mm-hmm. with uh, Rose, Tony Perez, Joe Morgan, mm-hmm. and Steve Carlton, all between ages 38 and 42, I believe. Uh, they went to the World Series but lost there to Baltimore. Uh, nevertheless, the signature play for Rose on the Phillies that I think of, even though I didn't see it happen live, was the second to last out of the 1980 World Series, the pop fly in foul territory that popped out of catcher Bob Boone's glove and Rose was there to catch the rebound. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and I'm sure right now uh, Reds fans are like, shut up, Philly boy. That wasn't the real Pete Rose you saw. <laughs> but but. 
Pete was never accused of betting on games when he was on the Phillies. Just saying. Mm-hmm. That's fair. <laughs> and uh, what are Expos fans saying? I don't know. They're <laughs> yeah. Just, they're crying <laughs> in their beer. They don't have a team still. Yeah, exactly. They don't even have a team. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, as, as a Pete Rose uh, Phillies guy, at, at least uh, I get to associate myself with not the team with which he is least associated, but rather the middle of his three uh, teams that he's connected with. There you go. All right. Well, as I already said, this is episode number 138 of Gamble On. Thank you for joining us. If you missed any of our previous 137 episodes, they're all available on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Just a little over 4,100 more episodes until we catch the Hit King's base hit total. Yeah, good point. Uh, There's no need to tell you, uh, everybody, in my usual spot here, who's coming up later on the show, where you know it's Pete Rose. Uh, We're going to talk to Pete, though, about a a new sports betting-related partnership he's entering into, his thoughts on Major League Baseball's new attitude towards sports betting, and even his takes on sports like golf and hockey but first it's been a pretty busy week in the world of gambling so let's get to it here's your gamble on news of the week an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling the entire news section this week is about progress or in some cases potential progress towards sports betting expansion in a variety of states and we start with the most surprising most clearly positive development of the bunch in Arizona where just a couple of weeks ago a typo in an amendment seemed to kill what were already very slim hopes of sports betting getting legalized in 2021 Suddenly, there is a bill headed to Governor Doug Ducey's desk, and since he had input in the drafting of the bill, we can comfortably say sports betting is coming to Arizona. On Monday night, the state Senate replaced their bill with the House version and voted in favor of it 23 to 6, despite loud protests from Senator Sally Ann Gonzalez who felt the legislation was unfair to the state's Native American tribes. The bill allows 10 licenses for sports venues and 10 for tribes, but there are 23 tribes in the state, hence Gonzalez's dissatisfaction. Each license will allow a brick-and-mortar sports book and an online skin. Uh, State Senator T.J. Shope told U.S. Bets' Jeff Edelstein he got it done through some closed-door give-and-take with Appropriations Committee Chairman Dave Gowan. Jill Dorson wrote on Sports Handle that DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, and William Hill all have paths to enter the state, and the expectation is that betting could launch in time for NFL season. John? Did you see this one coming at all? Did you have Arizona on your parlay card? Uh, and, and any thoughts on the machinations required to get it done or the bill they ended up with? Uh, yeah, I'm not buying September 1st uh, for the launch. Uh, okay. I mean, it could be six months in the over in every state. But uh, still, yeah, this one shocked me both for the speed and the resulting decision. I mean, tribes are sovereign nations. And I don't recall another state where sports betting and arguably any gambling bill became law with this much discontent among tribes. I mean, every state compact is different, of course. And I, I'll be curious to see how litigious some tribes might feel about this. I mean, who picks the winners and losers there, too? I have no idea. Uh, and I haven't had time yet to analyze the venues part because sometimes the venue is the sports team the franchise really or sometimes it isn't yeah uh certainly uh while while just 10 tribal licenses isn't enough to cover every tribe and that uh, is already causing some issues uh the 10 sports venue licenses seems like an excess situation there aren't 10 major sports teams in the state but as you said maybe a a venue could uh, expand to cover something other than just like a major stadium or arena um this is a significant state uh number 14 in the population rankings with about seven and a half million people and i'm looking at the map and i'm seeing 
there's a bit of a circle forming around Utah of states that have mobile betting or will soon have it. So those folks in Utah who want to gamble on sports and know their state will never allow it, if they're sort of close to any of the borders other than Idaho, uh, looking like they'll have options. A couple other quick things to add on with more of Jill's reporting. She also notes that WinBet and Barstool Sportsbook seem assured entry. Um, And then maybe the biggest factor that we haven't touched on yet is that Arizona is one of the few states that doesn't permit DFS play. Uh, This will change that. DFS will now be legalized in Arizona as well. So a real game changer here for any sports fans in that state wanting to gamble. I I never believed that a state would uh, legalize DFS with sports betting. I mean, DFS is sort of the gateway drug, I thought, to, uh, you know, states accepting uh, sports betting. And frankly, that's what it's been around the country for a number of years. It just sort of walked in and nobody was paying attention. And it's like, (laughs) oh, that's been legal. I I didn't realize it. You know, it's like I've talked about where, you know, states that can't get casinos passed. um, There's a certain amount of uh, constituents who say, um, oh, something at the racetrack. Oh, yeah. Th- apparently they've had those for 100 years here and no big deal. We just have horse race betting and seems OK. So yeah, you can put uh, slot machines in there. It's OK. And same with like DFS. It, it just got in, you know, through the side door. And then and now I guess people are saying, oh, well, we already have in other states. We already have the other fantasy sports. Let's do sports betting. I'm just right. a little surprised that somebody some state that hasn't even gotten the DFS thing going uh, could bring sports betting in right with it in the front door. Yeah, it's a unique situation, but at least DFS wasn't left out. That would have been really awkward if sports betting is legalized, but you still can't play DFS. It's a 50-state experiment in all, Eric. After that's all. that's true. Uh, all right. Uh, another state where sports betting is coming uh, and quite likely is coming in time for football season. We'll see what you have to say about uh, them hitting September 1st uh, is Maryland. You may recall that Maryland voters approved a referendum in November 2020 but the details on how it would work were not in place yet. Well, on Monday, the state Senate and House both overwhelmingly approved a sports betting framework and sent it to Governor Larry Hogan's desk for his signature. Here are the details. There are a lot of licenses. There are 10 Class A licensees, including three professional sports venues and three casinos, and seven Class B licensees, including OTBs, bingo halls, and other venues, All 17 of those combined can offer retail betting. There are also up to 60 mobile licenses, and each of the 17 retail locations can apply for a mobile license. There will also be up to 30 additional Class B retail licenses for places like restaurants, bars, etc., all betting will be taxed at 15% on operator profits. I'm sure you and I agree, John, that there will not end up being 60 mobile operators in Maryland. Uh, Where do you set the line on how many there will be, say, a year from now? And what do you make of this trend in both Maryland and Arizona toward prioritizing sports books at major stadiums and arenas? Yeah, you know, Eric, we've gotten used to kvetching about states that don't offer enough choice for consumers, right? Oregon, New Hampshire, next year, New York, probably, et cetera. And so I feel a little awkward now grabbing about too many options. <laughs> but, you know, New Jersey, obviously a pioneer. They allowed for three skins for each of the nine Atlantic City casinos and the three racetracks. But only a little more than half, about 20 or so, have been activated after almost three years. And New Jersey regulars told me from the get-go, they knew not all the slots would be filled, but they wanted to err on the side of too many and not too few. 
Now, Maryland's a smaller state than New Jersey and doesn't have a giant farm team of extra gamblers like uh, New York, New Jersey's had with New York. So I haven't figured out what the heck Maryland is thinking. I don't think they're going to get 20, frankly. Uh, Meanwhile, the Washington Reds, uh, sorry, football team owner is terrible (laughs) at running a a football club, meanwhile, but he just keeps getting richer. Uh, He already is looking for another new, mostly or uh, totally taxpayer financed stadium. And dangling sports betting licenses is pretty alluring to him, no doubt. Um, It's too soon to tell on that trend of stadiums and arenas and all other than that as i just suggested the rich are going to get richer all right let's start with the most important thing that you said uh we need to work on your pronunciation of yiddish words uh you put you put like a a little extra uh vowel sound in there it's kvetching the k and v go right to get together you said sort Uh, of a it was a a bit of a kvetching so let's work on kvetching uh close that gap between the k and the v but uh i'll do that i'll do it offline if you don't mind (laughs) okay yes on your own time absolutely (laughs) um so yeah i was also looking at new jersey in terms of trying to figure out what a reasonable number might be and i I believe it's 21 at latest Mm -hmm. count in new jersey um I can't see why Maryland would get above that. Uh, there are only so many companies prepared to offer sports betting right now. So I was thinking, yeah, the line should be no higher than 20 for the first year, maybe even significantly lower than that. And it could keep creeping up over the, the next several years, but certainly 60 is uh, awfully ambitious. Um, but, you know, with the low barrier to entry, we might see a few action 24-7 types uh, who don't have experience running a mobile sports book but decide to give it a try in Maryland. Although it's going to be so competitive there, it'll be hard for mom and pop books to survive, I would think. Um, but, but, but why limit it to 60, I wonder? Like, if you just want to say free enterprise, let the market rule, there is no limit. It could be 500. Who knows? You know, right. it's not even going to be 20. We both agree. But but like in theory, let's do that. But why? Like, you know, listen, we're good with 30, 40, 55, <laughs> push a little bit, 60. We're good with 60, but not six, 65 is too many. That's right. overkill. 60 is just right. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it does seem kind of random. Like they, they, from what I read, it, that they, they, they insisted on having some sort of a cap on it, but obviously set the cap so high that it's effectively the same as not having a cap. Um, but yeah, and uh, it's, it's interesting that it appears by football season, DC area bettors will be able to bet on their football team in all three of the DMV jurisdictions, three places to bet on them, zero names for the team they're betting on strange world we're living in, in 2021. Yeah, that uh, the the name uh, it's so bad that it's kind of good. I don't know. I, I'm I'm not sure if they're gonna change it this year. They they seem to be a little ambivalent. Uh, you know, it's uh, the whole thing's weird. But what are we gonna do? It's 2021. What are we gonna do? Yeah, exactly. I honestly think it depends a lot on on how the football team does this season. If they have a really successful season, I think they remain the football team. If they miss the playoffs, then maybe that's a good opportunity to okay, let's come up with a name. But. Yeah, because the previous name didn't do so well the last 20, 25 years. So (laughs) this one is one for one, at least in terms of winning a division. Don't ask what the record is. (laughs) Right. Okay. Our third and final story this week is a hodgepodge of states that might or might not be making progress toward expanding sports betting. Two of them are huge states, but remain long shots for anything to happen too soon. In Florida, the governor reportedly made an offer to the tribes this week that the tribes could control sports betting if a new commercial casino was allowed in Miami Beach, but the tribes rejected the offer. And from what we're hearing, that's probably it for 2021 hopes in the state. In Texas, a House committee hearing took place Wednesday evening with State Representative Dan Huberty making a case for his sports betting bill. 
Texas remains unlikely to move, but at least they're thinking and talking about sports betting. In North Carolina, where limited retail sports betting has launched, a mobile sports betting bill is now being considered. And in Alabama, there is progress as the state Senate on Tuesday approved a constitutional amendment to, to allow a lottery, six casinos, and sports betting, and the bill now goes to the House. Uh, John, I know based on your slack reaction that you have something to say about Alabama, so please weigh in on that as well as any of the other three. That's true. I was invited to appear on a sports talk show in Alabama in the wake of the Supreme Court sports betting ruling three years ago. And the co-hosts were all lathered up over the idea of finally getting to bet money on Bama or Auburn and so forth. It made me think, is it possible there's an enormous vacuum down south with with no bookies on every corner? I'm not used to that, but I'm not sure. Uh, And then they were crestfallen when I told them that. My gut feeling was that if your state won't even allow a casino, they're not going to allow you to do sports betting. Of course, Tennessee then proved me wrong last year. Uh, But at least Alabama is seeking a trifecta, as it were, with a lottery as well. Hmm. You know, Alaska and Hawaii don't have lotteries in part because they're not exactly worried about their locals crossing a state border to play the numbers. And also because if you already live in Alaska or Hawaii, you might not bother playing a game or if you win a big prize you get to live your dream and live in anywhere else that apparently that's your uh, that's your lot in life and uh, you can get rich and you're still going to live in alaska or hawaii <laughs> uh as for florida i don't see how any news gets made down there that isn't driven by the seminal tribe if they want it it happens if not it doesn't the rest is all just posturing uh texas not before 2023 and maybe not even then uh north carolina doesn't seem like the talk is overly ambitious so that's promising as opposed to say alabama uh, so maybe at best for them. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I look at North Carolina and I, I at least appreciate that they could serve as an example to some states of, say, you want mobile betting, but it's a big ask with regard to attitudes in the state. So you start with retail sports books at a couple of casinos and then separately pursue mobile betting the next year. Um, you know, that's one approach that might make some sense if if going straight from zero to 100 is a bit too much for the legislators or the citizens of that state. Um, if mobile betting passes there, though, John, the one downside is it will bring a halt to you measuring mileage from various parts of the state <laughs> to the nearest casino sports book 300 miles or so away. You're going to have to retire that gimmick. So I think just for that reason alone, you might want to root against North Carolina. Yeah, I was going to say, they don't want to go from zero to 100. So far, they've gone from like zero to 10 with right. two casinos a couple hundred miles away from where everybody lives. So they're not exactly leaping forward. So uh, from 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 10 to 100, which this would be, is still a pretty good leap. Uh, may not be zero to 100, but it's a lot. And yeah, I am entertained by these states that are so determined to uh, place the gambling as far away from where anybody lives. It's really kind of fascinating to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, in, in Alabama, you look at this legislation and And it's so simple and smart and hard to poke holes in. There's no weird clause like a payout cap or a fee to the leagues or a crazy high or crazy low tax rate or any of that. It's just a good piece of legislation from what I can tell. Uh, They made one change after it failed to pass the first time by a margin of two votes. And now it's moving. Uh, It's adding casinos with sports books plus three mobile betting skins per casino uh, plus adding a lottery tax rate of 20%, sports betting licensing fee of $100,000, even a licensing process whereby 
if you're licensed already in another state, that helps speed up the process in Alabama. I'm waiting for the catch, uh, but uh, so far I don't see it. It's, it's very encouraging. I don't know. I think uh, maybe uh, Adam Small, if you're listening, uh, get alabamabets.com or rolltidebets.com or whatever. <laughs> get it up and running ASAP. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't figure it out because if if the people of Alabama were okay with this already, then why hasn't it happened? And if they're not, then why would you vote for it? I, I'd be nervous as a legislator. Like, I thought culturally we don't do this. We don't accept gambling. And now we're going we're gonna to go with casinos, lotteries, and sports betting all at once. I, I, that's such a sea change. I can't imagine it. I mean, I'm joking about the little zero to 10 from North Carolina, but there's a little bit of truth to that. I mean, I, I think, boy, I think you start with a lottery, don't you? I mean, that, that's never been a problem in any state right. that's passed in just about every one. And then after that, you know, maybe give it a couple of years. So, but we haven't heard any particular opposition yet in Alabama either. So I, I'm not sure what's going on there. Maybe it just sneaks through when no one's paying attention. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're the guy who likes to quote uh, Bob Dylan and uh, the times they are changing and uh, maybe that's what's happening in Alabama. Um, But I'm certainly with you on the the two big States. I see no reason to be optimistic about Texas or Florida yet. Uh, Apologies to our colleague and frequent guest, Dan Bach, who lives in Florida and shares news news articles on Slack excitedly whenever there's a tease in his state, but uh, (laughs) it, it feels like there's still a long road ahead, but at least they're thinking about it. You know, Texas and Florida, they aren't Utah. They, they will have sports betting, just not in the next year or two, I wouldn't think. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's very simple. You ask the Seminoles, what's it going to take? Mm-hmm. And then you say, yes, sir, may I have another? And you move <laughs> on. I, I don't think this doesn't seem that complicated to me, necessarily. And, they, and if they say, no, we don't, no matter what, then you're screwed. Right. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. This week's interview is a particular treat, given that my co-host John has been a baseball fan since the late 60s, and I've been a baseball fan, and specifically a Phillies fan, since the early 80s. Joining us now is one of the best ever to play the game, but also, due to his connection to sports betting, a man famously excluded from the game for the last few decades, celebrating his 80th birthday this week, the one and only Pete Rose. Pete, thanks so much for joining us on Gamble On. Well, thank you for making me sound old. <laughs> I, I unfortunately have uh, no, I, I no control over your birthday. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea where the last 25 years went. You know, I, I sit here today and I got seven grandkids uh, and one of them's playing high school football. The other one is playing baseball. And I just don't know where the last 25 years really went. It just flew by. Right. No, I know I'm not going to fly by the next 25. <laughs> Unless I live to be 105. But <laughs> you never, you never know. Be 105. I'll still be talking positive, positively about the game of baseball. I, I worry about the game of baseball. You know, they keep changing all these rules and, and everything is about hitting home runs now. And, and no one worries about getting hits and uh, you know, Two out RBI singles with a man on second and third win games just like a home run wins games. And, uh, but that's, that's what the owners have created uh, in the minds of the players. If you hit 25 to 35 home runs, you'll probably be making 15 to 18 million, and so be it. So that's why they're giving up getting base hits. That's why my record will never be broken because mm. no one even sets sights 
on getting 200 hits. You know, they don't set sights on, uh, you know, all they worry about is home runs. Okay, I don't care where you hit in the lineup. All you worry about is home runs, which is good. I mean, it's good if you got home run hitters. But there's too darn many strikeouts in the game today. I wonder what Willie uh, Mays thinks when he watches the game, or I wonder what Henry thought before he passed away a couple weeks ago, or I wonder what Yaskrimski thinks. Uh, you know, because uh, when we played, uh, we played for league pride. That's why the All-Star game was so important to us. You know, I, I was lucky enough to play in 17 All-Star games, and lo and behold, we won 16 of them because we were playing for league pride. Right. I actually believed when I was a player that the National League was better than the American League. And I'm sure Al Kaline or Yaskrimski thought the American League was better than the National League. So everybody don't go to the World Series. So how do you settle it? The All-Star game. And we, me and Willie and Henry and, and Colfax and Dry and Marichelle and Gibson, we took the game seriously. We, we were, uh, it was a pleasure for us uh, to play in the all-star game. Uh, you think Willie Mays would get on an airplane in San Francisco and fly all the way cross country to get one or two at bats and leave the game. If you didn't make the starting lineup, you were lucky to get in the game because the guys who were representing the national league, they didn't want to go. They didn't want to get taken out of the game. And that's why we won so many games. Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, the, the game has changed. Uh, not, You know, some people will say certain things for the better, but a lot of things yeah. for the worse, as 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 you point out. And, you know, I guess it, it sort of speaks to the way that the times have changed in general. Uh, one of those uh, ways in which the times have changed is uh, the increasing cultural acceptance of sports betting. And uh, we, we understand that you're celebrating your birthday by announcing a new deal. Uh, you're, you're making daily pick recommendations for you pick trade.com so can, can you tell us a little pete about exactly what you'll be doing well, and i just analyze the, the, we just don't pick baseball right uh, the basketball playoffs are going on you know that's the advantage i have living here in vegas because i start getting games at nine ten o'clock in the morning and they go all day and and uh, i don't do much except watch sports on tv i'll watch two baseball games every day some days i'll watch three based on the times they start or I'll watch, uh, I'm, I'm a real hockey fan with, the, you know, with the Golden Knights out here. So uh, we'll pick hockey games. And, and, and let me tell you something. For me, it's a hell of a lot better picking the games than betting on the games. Okay. Right. Because, uh, when, when you try to get people a, a reason to follow you picking games, you have to have a little knowledge about the games. And, and as you know, as a gambler, uh, I don't know if you gamble, but you need luck. You know, sure. you need a lot of luck to win bets. And I think most of the gamblers who gamble know that. You know, you can't have bad luck. If, you, if you're a bad luck guy, you shouldn't gamble because you won't win. You know, uh, but there again, uh, you can beat a race, but you can't beat the races. Like, eventually, uh, next month, I'll, I'll pick the Kentucky Derby, mm-hmm. you know, for the fans who I like in the Kentucky Derby. So, uh, you follow everything. You follow every sport there is, and we don't pick 20 games a day. No one does that. We'll set our sights. When I say we, me and my son, uh, you know, he's 34 and he's pretty knowledgeable as a sports fan. And we talk every night about the different games coming up and who's hot and who's not, who's hurt and who's not hurt. It's the same thing gamblers do, uh, but they probably don't have the time to, uh, to do all the sports. And, uh, 
we're not we're not going to try to bet a basketball game, a hockey game, two baseball games every day. We're going to concentrate on games that we think uh, we know the outcome and go from there. It's kind of fun for me. It, it's it's kind of fun because uh, first of all, you 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 have to use your knowledge. You have to follow the sport. You know, I mean, you just can't rely on Sports Center to tell you that that so and so is out tonight or so and so. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but not last year, but the year before. Okay, there's thirty, there's thirty baseball teams in baseball, mm-hmm. so that means there's thirty managers. Did you know that every day a manager of a team, like let's say you're managing the Reds, you had to send your lineup to Major League, email it to Major League Baseball, fifteen minutes before the game. Right, and you know what they did with it? They emailed it to MGM Sports just to keep all the betting on the up and up. Right. Because you can't have a guy better make a big bet thinking that Kershaw is pitching and all of a sudden Kershaw is scratched uh, 25 minutes before the game. That's how much baseball is in bed with gambling. I'm right down the street from the new stadium uh, in which the, the Raiders play. Right. Uh, they actually have a window inside the stadium where you can make bets. That's what they want. So, yeah. you know, I mean, baseball never, never wanted to uh, accept gambling, but uh, they're in bed with gam- with the gambling uh, world now. And, and it's fine. I mean, it's fine. I, I see no harm in it. Uh, if, if you're going to do something, just like I was, I was watching uh, Godfather last night and, uh, you know, the guy didn't want to get into drugs. But his son told him, listen, all the other families are going to get into drugs and make millions of dollars. Why don't we get into it, too? Yeah. <laughs> Just don't sell it to kids. You know, we're, we're not advocating 16 or 17-year-olds taking our advice and betting. We're, we're talking about uh, grown-ups who have the money to bet. And uh, you, you say this over and over again. If you don't have money, don't bet. Yes. Because that's, that's leading to trouble. Yep. That's, yeah. that's leading down down the wrong path, and that's the way yes. we look at it. But you bet uh, uh, is an outfit. It's uh, in Mexico, and they do a good job, and uh, they got a lot of customers. And we're just trying to help the customers. Yeah. If you pick the winner, you sh- you should get paid. Yeah, Peter, I, I want to give you a platform. Uh, you know, everybody knows a little bit about the uh, uh, situation with you as a player manager back in the 80s with the Reds, and nobody knows all of it. Um, do you, is there, is there anything more that you think needs to be said, or do you think people understand it properly, or are you kind of done with it? Or, you know, uh, do you well, want to, no, if you want to elaborate on any of that, feel yeah, free. Yeah, that, that's, that's been 89. So that's, that's been 89. That's been over 30 years. And uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that I didn't make a mistake. I made a mistake betting on baseball, but uh, I needed something else as when I retired as an active player. And, and uh, I believed in my players so much. I had so many good young players. So I just bet on them every night to win because I thought they would win every night. And I was wrong and I paid the price for it. But uh, uh, this is all in the up and up. And uh, uh, baseball, they can forget guys that take drugs or they can forget guys that, beat up on their wives, but they just, because in 1919, I understand what happened with the Black Sox scandal. You know, everybody says Joe Jackson didn't do anything. Well, yeah, he did. Uh, What did he do? He took the money. He took the money when the, I don't know if he threw games. He hit 370 in that World Series, but he still took the money from the guys who wanted to give him money 
for throwing games. I didn't ever throw any games. I never bet against my team to win. You know, I would never do that. And everybody that, that knows me or knows the situation knows that I never would do that. But I was wrong. And it, it, I can't get away from it. I just, uh, you know, sometimes in life, I don't know you, either one of you guys been down this road. You just hope for a second chance. But uh, I don't want you guys to think that before I go to bed tonight, I'm going to, I'm going to dream and hope that I go to the Hall of Fame tomorrow. I'm going to hope and dream that I wake up tomorrow. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's the stage of my life I'm in. And I know what kind of player I was. My teammates know. My fans know. And I believe the guys who run the game of baseball know what kind of player I was and what I meant to the game. And uh, that's what I did in my whole career. So I can't change it now as far as getting on your show or any other show and complaining about not being in the Hall of Fame. I get Hall of Fame stats. Everybody knows that. I have all the records. You know, the Hall of Fame is not for a bunch of altar boys. Okay, the Hall of Fame is for stats. That's what the Hall of Fame is in all sports. Okay, uh, there's not many altar boys up there at the Hall of Fame. And you know, I started in '63, so my first Hall of Famer that I played against was a guy named Stan Musial. And every Hall and every Hall of Famer since Stan Musial, I either played against or with. So I know pretty much about a lot of guys that, that are in the Hall of Fame, and they're all great players. But I'm sure some of them made mistakes. I mean, uh, am I the only player in the history of baseball to bet on baseball? I'm not naive enough to believe that. But that's fine. That's fine. I'm the only one who got caught. That's bad. That's bad. So you got to go from there. Right. Um, I, listen, you guys may disagree with this, but uh, I believe uh, I'm the biggest ambassador baseball has today. And I'm not even in the game. You know, what do I do for a living? Well, I'm not doing it right now because of the pandemic, but I sign autographs seven days a week, five hours a day, and all I do is talk positive about the game of baseball. I don't know if any other player does that. And uh, fans like to talk about the game, especially fans discuss sons, young sons. And I sit there and I, and I make it an experience for them to get an autograph. Sure, they, they're charged. Every, you charge it. People get got to charge for everything today. You don't get a loaf of bread free. You don't get a quart of milk free. All right. You don't get an autograph bat free. You don't get an autograph ball free. And people who come in understand that. And if you don't understand that, you can say hi, but you don't have to buy an autograph. We just have it there if you want a souvenir. And most people who come to Vegas, what, what's one thing they have? They got money in their pocket. They're willing to spend it. And they want to see a celebrity. So everything is headed right toward me, and we're we're very nice to customers because I look I look I could be wrong, but I I look at when I'm out in the public or at the airports. You come up and ask me for an autograph, I'll sign it. I'm not going to charge you, but if I'm working, we're going to charge you for the autograph. It's a business, okay? I sign more free autographs than anybody in the history of the of the world, I believe. Okay, and I probably signed more autographs that people paid for more than anybody else in the world. You know, I've been doing this 15, 19 years, and it's very successful. It's not now because we just don't have the customers because of the virus. Well, right. we'll, get, we'll get back to it. It's fun talking to eight-year-olds or nine-year-olds or 40-year-olds or 50 or 80-year-olds. You know, it's, it's nice to have someone come in 
and, and buy an autograph and want me to call grandma who just turned 93 and is a baseball fan. So I can call and say hi to her and make her day. That's what I do. I don't know any other players playing a game of baseball today that do that. Uh, there's not a lot of players playing the game of baseball today. The smart ones are to think about the fans. What, what's the sense of playing a baseball game if you open up the ballpark and no one comes? What's the sense? It's like a spring training game. That's why players have to understand one thing you do need to be a successful sport is fans. Mm-hmm. Is fans. That's, that's what seats are for. I tell people this all the time. The seats of stadiums are for one thing, asses. <laughs> right. And some teams do it right. Some teams don't do it right. Why do the Dodgers sell out every night? Okay. Why do the Cubs sell out every day? Why do the Mets sell out a lot? Okay. Why don't Miami? Okay. Why don't St. Louis sells out every night? Why don't Kansas City? Because some teams do it right. And a lot of teams don't do it right. But they pay the price. Right. Well, MLB has certainly embraced sports betting and and even views it as a vehicle to bring some of those fans in that the sports betting increases fan interest, fan participation. Um, Do you feel there's a a level of hypocrisy in in MLB's current embracing of sports betting while you remain banned from the game, not in the Hall of Fame? I have nothing to do with the sports betting, Uh, but baseball is like every other person or, or organization uh, that we live in today, it's all about this. Okay. And, and they saw where basketball was actually taking bets from people at halftime at the stadium. And uh, it's a little bit like uh, uh, the Godfather. Why are we going to let the other four families make all the money? And we're not right. So baseball took a lot of time to get onto a gambling bandwagon, but they finally did. Okay. The only problem I have with baseball is they won't, they won't give me a chance to be on the ballot because it's not up to baseball, whether I go to the hall of fame or not, it's up to the sports writers. Okay. But I've never been given that opportunity. You know what I mean when I say on the ballot, right? So many players on the ballot every, every year. And then after a certain amount of time that you're taken off that ballot, if you don't get enough votes, I never been able to be on the ballot that goes out to the sports writers. So we don't know if I make the Hall of Fame or not, but I'm not worried about it. Okay, I made the Hall of Fame in Cincinnati. I got a statue in Cincinnati. I got my number retired in Cincinnati, which is very uh, important to me because where I'm from, mm-hmm. I was born three miles from Crosby Field, where I broke in in Cincinnati. Three miles. Yeah, Pete, I want to ask you about the Golden Knights. Uh, I, I'd heard from so many people out in Las Vegas how a couple of years ago they were an expansion team and make it all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, and it kind of took the city by storm. And yeah. I've been curious whether you and any of your family members got kind of involved in that, and, and it sounds yeah. like you did. Yeah. But also, also, I'm wondering about what about the connection with – it seems like um, – because Las Vegas is obviously very friendly to, to gambling that. So a lot of people who weren't really fans of the, of the, maybe the sport at all became the uh, golden Knights fans, but also kind of got involved with the betting too. So what, what did you see among well, your family I, and friends? You know, I don't, I, I can't talk about the betting on the golden Knights, but uh, yeah. uh, all I can tell you is, is going to a golden Knight game is the best experience you can have as a sports fan. I mean, this, like you said, this city is really taking on this team. And they're a good team. You know, they've got the third or fourth best record in hockey right now. 
But it's so much fun to go to the games. I mean, but Vegas is good at that. You know, Vegas is the best at putting on a show and making it enjoyable for the fans. You know, there's, there's, there's not a city in the country that's better than Las Vegas as far as putting on something that's entertaining. You know all the shows that are out here. This is just show capital of the world out here. And, and uh, the Golden Knights are a show. They are a show. And, and they went out and they got good players. And not only they got good players, but the, their good players play good. A lot of teams got good players, but they don't play good. Yeah. I mean, all you want as a manager of a baseball team is to have four or five really good players that play really good. If you've got good players that play mediocre, you're not going to win. And the Golden Knights, uh, they're, they play hard, man. They play hard in the people. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know they understood hockey as much as they do. But they, they took such a, a loving to this team uh, if you ever get a chance to go to a game out here, I, I don't know how expensive it is, uh, but it's fun to go to. And when you leave, you know, they, they have concerts outside before the game. Uh, what, other, what other teams do that? There's so much going on before the game. Then you get into the thing, you got things flying around. You got uh, uh, rocket ships flying around. You got girls sweeping off the ice. I mean, in, in bikinis. I mean, it's, it's, Vegas knows how to put on a show. They really do. And they they put their best show on with the Golden Knights. Yeah, they had but can you the- imagine, Pete, 20, 20 or 30 years ago, can you imagine that there's going to be uh, not only a professional sports team, but now the Raiders are there too. So all of a sudden, these, uh, you know, these leagues that were, you know, so against Las Vegas even, you know, 20 years ago, they were trying to get um, the, the uh, sports betting banned in Nevada as well as all the other states. So they were that, that dead set against it, even after all the years uh, Las Vegas had done that would have damaged the city, obviously. So does it seem a little bit odd to you at times that their, their professional sports is so uh, in love with Las Vegas now? Well, not really, because I'll tell you one reason why. They, they have what you need to be successful. All right. Las Vegas has three million people in it now. That's three times bigger than Cincinnati. You know, it's three times bigger than St. Louis. So we got the fan base here. We got the fans. And we got the fans that are looking for entertainment. You know, the Raider games next year when this virus is gone, they'll sell out every game. You know, John Gruden will get that team turned around. And I don't know if we got lucky with the hockey team going to the Stanley Cup Finals the first year. I mean, that's good coaching. That's good front office personnel uh, picking the players. Uh, that's a lot of good things happen to the hockey team here. And and people are looking for ways to spend their money. And it's just like Met fans are Met fans. All right, Golden Knight fans are Golden Knight fans. The only difference the Golden Knights are better than the Mets right now. Okay, they're better that's than true. the Islanders. They're better than the Rangers. That's the way the world goes. I live close enough, okay? I, I, when they score a goal and they blow that horn, when I'm, I, this is God's honest truth. I, I sit right here where I am right now, and I can hear the horn go off when the, when the doors are open. That's how close I am to T-Mobile Arena. And I'm nine-tenths of a mile from the new Raiders Stadium on the same street. Mm-hmm. So I'm right in the thick of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you don't have a, a professional baseball team uh, yet in, in Vegas, but uh, uh, but there there are 30 other teams out there uh, playing uh, based on what you've seen the first couple of weeks of the season. As long as you, you know, you're in the business of, of making picks these days, uh, not I, I know you'll be making like daily game by game kind of picks, but 
bigger picture futures type of bets. Who, who do you see as a, a good futures bet to win the World Series or maybe win the National League or the American well, League? If I had to pick the, the best team, I think, in baseball today, uh, it would be the Dodgers. Yeah. You know, the Dodgers went to the World Series last year and they picked up the Cy Young winner. Right. Power. <laughs> right. I mean, he was with my team, Cincinnati. I mean, uh, and they got Kershaw pitching good again. They could get good offensive players. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think uh, the Yankees would be good in the, in the res- long result. They got too much power over there. They got, they got Stanton and they got uh, Judge. They got to keep those guys healthy. You know, I'm tired of watching those guys play 125, 130 games a year. You know, you want those guys to play 100, 160 games a year. Because mm-hmm. the season is 162 games a year. Uh, some of the other good teams. Cincinnati's playing good right now. They right. got a good offense. Cincinnati's got a good offense. There's no, there's no question about it. Uh, Atlanta's got a good ball club. You know, they 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 went a long way last year. But then there again, we can talk. We can talk about so many bad teams. There's so many bad teams. So you know, there'll be a couple teams win over 100 games, and that's just because there's so many bad teams. Right. I don't have to sit here and badmouth the teams that you know can't win, but there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them that can't win. They don't have good enough personnel to win a pennant to go to a World Series. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm kind of tired of uh, uh, baseball changing the rules every year. Mm. You know, you can't break up a double play. You can't slide into a catcher. You can't pitch inside. Baseball needs to change one rule. And I'm, I think I have a solution, but they won't ever do it because it would cause too many arguments. Uh, baseball should concentrate on how to speed up the game. Yes. All right. Every pitch, every player steps out and readjusts his gloves. Mm-hmm. There's one reason, there's one way you can speed up the game of baseball. And you know what it is? Umpires call more strikes. Mm. Forget about the strikes zone being from – here to here. Okay. They're all wearing their pants down around their ankles. Start calling the balls down there and guys will start swinging. Okay. Guys will start swinging. Yeah. That's interesting. My, you know, my son uh, is 11 year old playing little league and the strike zone for them is basically armpits to the bottom of the knees uh, that uh, uh, base in major leagues. It's a, it's a lot tighter. Yeah. But little league umpires get away with calling the low pitch. Right, because we, because we as parents, when we're in the audience or the stands, we can see if a ball is high. We can see if a ball is high the way the catcher catches it, but if it's low, the catcher might have boxed it or something. So you know, literally, umpires get away with calling balls low, but some of these umpires, uh, and and I like umpires, and I think they do a great job. Okay, but I watch these games every night, and I got more hits than anybody ever. I can't figure out what the strike zone is because I, I guess it's the same when I played. When I played and we're getting ready to play the game and these four umpires walk out from underneath the stadium, there's one that's got a mask in his hand, okay? Now, I know that guy, and I know what kind of umpire he is just from being experienced in the league. Is he a high ball umpire? Is he a low ball umpire? Is he a pitcher's umpire? Is he a hitter's umpire? Is he a good umpire? Is he a bad umpire? And all I expect from him that night to do what he is. If he's a high ball umpire, then you know he's going to call high pitches. If he's a pitcher's umpire, you know he's going to call a lot of pitches. If he's a hitter's umpire, you can be more patient. 
that's because the umpires have experience. But we had to we had to have these umpires start calling a lot more strikes. Uh, they don't care if, if, if players understand it. If players understand they're going to call strikes. It's just like the night before I broke the record. Okay, a good friend of mine, an umpire member, Lee Wire, the umpire, big guy. I do. He was up my first base. And he said, well, you'll break that record tomorrow night. I said, what do you mean, big guy? He said, because I'm behind the plate and you'll be swinging because he's a pitcher's umpire. And he was absolutely right. He's going to call more strikes. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to be as patient with him back there as opposed to Dutch, uh, Dutch Leonard, Renard, his strike zone was about this big. I never figured out his strike zone. I loved him <laughs> when he was umpire. That's just that. That's the difference in the game. I mean, it's, it's sometimes it's even the, the difference in picking a game. Who's behind home plate? We even know who the umpires are. Who's it? Who's behind? I'm not worried about who's a second, who's a third, who's a short. I'm worried about who's behind the plate because they can control the game just by balls and strikes. Yeah. And never player never took a, a strike three. They thought was a strike. <laughs> We never could strike two. We thought it was a strike. Right. (laughs) Pete, I had one question for you about, you sound like a traditional sports fan. You mentioned that you fell for the Golden Knights as well. Uh, You know, what about, say, the Masters on Sunday? Was that something you had to watch? And are there any sort of major sports that you've never kind of warmed to? I watched it every day. And and I swear to God, Justin Rose was minus seven for a month. I mean, (laughs) he was was minus seven the first day, the second day, the third day, and the fourth day. That was amazing. I mean, he, he just played par golf. Once he got up at the first round, you know, he didn't take any chances. He just played par golf. I mean, he was minus seven all four rounds. And what, what about that first Japanese player to win a major? What kind of money is that guy going to make back home? But he shot his ass off. He shot his ass off. You know, I mean, uh, I watch golf all the time, but uh, I miss Tiger. I miss Tiger Woods. You know, he, he put some whammy in the game. You know what I mean? He was so good, just like Jack Nicklaus was so good. Uh, you wish a Tiger a speedy recovery. But these golfers today, I mean, uh, DeChambeau, I mean, what's he, what do he average? 345 yards a drive for the Masters? What is he, a gorilla? <laughs> How do you hit a ball that far every day? But that's, that's the name of the game today. The, you know, these, these narrow courses – penalize these guys because they hit it so far and when you hit it that far it's hard to hard to you know keep the direction straight but the masters is always a good tournament always a good tournament yeah i want to just ask you one last quick question pete uh sports betting might be coming to ohio soon uh and the ceremonial first bet at a new sports book is often made by a celebrity athlete would you potentially be interested in making the first legal bet at a cincinnati area casino if they offered Sure. I mean, I'm a Cincinnati guy. I mean, uh, Cincinnati's not a backward uh, city, not a backward state, Ohio. I mean, it's like everything else. Uh, look, if every other state's going to do it, why do you want to say, I don't want to do it? I mean, all it's going to do is help pay more teachers. Uh, it's going to help pay more firemen. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to do a lot of good things for the city because there's a lot of taxes in sports betting. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, there's nothing wrong with Las Vegas, Nevada. So they've been doing it right for how many years? Okay, now the other teams are scared to be copycats. Don't be scared to be a copycat if it's going to take in millions of dollars for you. You know, and I'm not advocating everybody going out and bet. 
Okay. But what it's going to do, as you know, it's going to put bookies out of business. The only difference in a bookie and, and, and legalized sports betting, okay, if you bet four or five games on Saturday and you lose, the bookie will give you till Monday to settle up with it. You don't make four or five bets in this town unless you go up to the window and put down cash. Right. That's the advantage of having sports betting or disadvantage for some guys who, <laughs> who want to settle up every Monday or Tuesday. Right. Am I right about that? Yeah, absolutely. That's an important difference. You can't, you, 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 uh, one good thing about legal sports betting is, yeah, you can't make the bet if you don't have the money up front. So, right. And I don't want people to go out of their way to make bets. I don't want people to go out of their way to, to buy alcohol. Those things don't interest, interest me. But if it's going to help the state, going to help the city, you know, grown ups are making these decisions, not kids. Kids aren't making these bets, grown ups are. You always hear about kids doing things that you shouldn't do. Uh, but one of them, you never hear about kids gambling. You, you hear about kids drinking. You hear about kids taking drugs. You know, you hear those things, but you never, when's the last time you heard a kid got arrested for gambling? So, you know, casinos are very uh, particular about who can go up and make a bet. Matter of fact, they're, they're real particular about who can be in the sports book. Right. You're a kid. You can't be near the sports book. And they got people walking around police in the area. So in that respect, that's a good thing. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, it's, it's been a real pleasure talking to you, Pete. Uh, you once pick. again, youpicktrade.com. Uh, that's right. Uh, so uh, c- congratulations on that and best of luck with that new venture. And, and again, uh, happy birthday uh, from us to you. All right. <laughs> Have a good day, guys. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. Actually, John, before we get into the bankroll, I think interviewing Pete Rose is worth a quick postmortem. Uh, he's clearly a big fan of The Godfather, uh, and, and you're welcome for me not ratting you out and telling him that you've never seen it. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed that. There are Pete Rose haters out there who will call us sellouts for having him on, uh, talking about a tout service. But that's their problem. Uh, to me, he remains a compelling sports figure and sports betting figure. I found it interesting that he's insisting he bet on the Reds every game. I'm not sure if that's true or if he's decided he should say that to try to handcuff the crowd that says betting on them some games, but not other games is almost the same as betting against them. Uh, But anyway, I had fun. He obviously loves sports and loves talking sports and has a responsible attitude toward betting these days. Uh, What did you think? And any moments or, or comments from him stand out? Yeah, I mean, one is that he still carries that torch for the NL, kicking the AL's ass and all, but one of those, <laughs> all those all-star games he played in, yeah. you know, he had a little bit of a Michael Jordan in him in that respect, you know, any player who might have had some sort of unconscious fear of success, well, that took a backseat to not wanting to find out what happens if either of those guys lose, it's just terrifying. And then also his point about how much time he spends with the public talking up the game of baseball, maybe more than any prominent retired player. Now, look, he admitted his 35 hours a week signing stuff in Las Vegas. It's not a charity. Um, but I also believe him when he says that if he sees someone at a, like an airport or somewhere, he'll sign for no charge. And I know of quite a few prominent athletes of whom it can't be said the same. And, and finally, let's be honest, a portion of subscribers hit the fast forward button as soon as the interview began because they just can't stomach the guy. And 
I respect that. I really do. Uh, and I also think it's worth it to have a discussion, see if he's willing to go over some of the old betting ground, let people decide if it's uh, wisdom or bullshit. Yeah. And, and, and he was willing and uh, he didn't walk out, out on us. So a uh, big win for yeah. gamble on us, if you ask me. Um, yeah, it was right. even money, but uh, we, we prevailed. <laughs> yes. You took it. You took a risk, by the way, asking him pretty early in the interview. The, uh, the strategy sometimes is say, save the question about his gambling past for the end. But uh, as, as I believe you said to cousin Sal, when we had him on the podcast is called gamble on, he should know what he's getting himself <laughs> into. Yeah. Well, apparently he did. <laughs> yep. All right. Now on to the bankroll update uh, on weeks when my bets fail and John's bets carry us. I man up and take the heat. This week, I get to pat myself on the back while blaming John for all of our problems. Uh, I had two bets, and they both won, including a plus 230 underdog boxing bet. I had Joe Smith Jr. to beat Maxim Vlasov by decision, and ever so narrowly he did, rallying to win the last two rounds and a majority decision. So that won us $115 on a $50 wager. My other bet was a straightforward Chicago Bulls minus three and a half points last Thursday. They led all the way by 13 at halftime, 18 after three quarters, and held on in garbage time to win by nine. So that produced a $100 profit. Unfortunately, John's master's bets uh, that he made across the last two weeks didn't pan out. One was a heartbreaker, uh, Phil Mickelson to finish top 20 at plus 450 odds. Phil missed it by one stroke, finishing tied for 21st. Uh, the others were also all long shots. Uh, Bryson to miss the cut, which looked good after day one, but DeChambeau rallied on day two. Uh, and Jordan Spieth, Scotty Scheffler, Abraham Anser, and Cameron Smith, each as long shot outrights. Uh, Spieth was somewhat in the hunt, but of course, Matsuyama ultimately won. So all told, we lost $165 on those six masters bets. John, want to comment quickly on those before I add it all up? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, our boy Scheffler birdied the 72nd hole and Phil missed a 10 foot par putt on the same hole. That adds up to a brutal defeat on a really wise selection. I also took three players who were at least 40 to one and all three made the cut and all three would have paid off nicely on slightly more conservative bets as Smith tied for 10th, Shuffler tied for 18th and answer tied for 26, even with a nutty two stroke penalty assessed a couple of hours after his opening round about, you know, his club, the uh, millimeter touching the ball in a, in a, in a hazard or whatever. Uh, and yes, Spieth was sort of in the mix too early on Sunday. So six bets and not one of them made me look like a fool. Uh, the cut was plus three, by the way, and Bryson finished plus five. But after 72 holes, not 36. Yeah, a small sample size here, of course, as it's just one tournament. But maybe Rufus Peabody uh, led you slightly astray with the pick a bunch of winners. If, if you had done some of your usual little top five, top 10, top 20, maybe we come out uh, in better shape there. But uh, so be it. We learn from it. We move on. Uh, overall, we ended up plus $50 for the week. That means we're down $1,220 overall. <sighs> We also have $1,804 on hold in futures bets. So that leaves us with $6,976 available to bet with this week. And you're up first, John. All right. Well, since I didn't embarrass myself last weekend, uh, let's try the RBC Heritage Classic in South Carolina back on the PGA Tour. Uh, and we're back to Abraham Answer 70 at plus 150 for a top 20. And uh, a southerner and a hot-handed southpaw, Brian Harmon at 30 at plus 150 for top 20. Okay. Uh, I'm going back to boxing and no surprise. Uh, someday maybe I'll do a full assessment on the giant spreadsheet of how we've each done sport by sport. Uh, we, we could learn some interesting things from it, but one thing I'm almost hundred percent sure of without checking is that I'm ahead on my boxing bets overall over the last 138 weeks. Uh, and this week, 
I see a very friendly number that I jumped on and bet in real life for a larger amount than I usually risk. There's a middleweight fight on Saturday, Demetrius Andrade, undefeated 2008 Olympian from Providence, Rhode Island, who, yeah, 2008 Olympian uh, and undefeated. He's still undefeated 13 years later. You would think that would mean he's a superstar. But he's not. He tends to make for dull fights. He has no fan base outside Providence. He's extremely talented and skillful. Um, It all adds up to none of the big stars having much incentive to fight him. So he just keeps marking time against fringe contenders like Liam Williams of Wales, who's fine, but nowhere close to Andrade's level. I thought Andrade would be like a minus 800 favorite in this fight. Uh, DraftKings has him minus 435. Okay, intriguing. Points bet has him minus 400. FanDuel has him minus 350 and Foxbet has him minus 275. I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw that number. Uh, there's even a tiny arbitrage opportunity since uh, Williams is plus 285 at DraftKings, but then there would be the tiny risk of a draw screwing that up. So we'll just bet Andrade to beat Williams at that outstanding minus 275 price. Let's risk $150 to win 55. I don't normally like risking a lot to win a little, but I think it's worth it for this fight at this price. Right. So if we think back a year ago, uh, I made a stupid preseason bet on the Toronto Maple Leafs to win the Stanley Cup. And yeah, it didn't really come close. And <laughs> but uh, I'm older and a little wiser, maybe. So this year I waited until the trade deadline. Let us enjoy what is going to be an epic win for the storied franchise. They made the right moves. I think they have the right team now. And uh, so we're going to go uh, Maple Leafs to win the cup, but only 20 at plus 800. OK. Um, and for my second bet, haven't done one of these in a little while. Let's try a two team cross sport parlay, uh, two favorites that I like a lot tonight, Thursday night uh, in the NHL. My flyers stink. They're a disaster. They're in Pittsburgh where the Penguins, who've won three straight, are only a minus 165 favorite at BetMGM. Let's combine that with the Golden State Warriors visiting the Cleveland Cavaliers. Golden State is starting to click. Uh, Draymond Green is looking like himself. Steph Curry is playing phenomenally. They're fighting for a playoff spot. They aren't hurt by losing the rookie James Wiseman. Maybe it even helps them. Uh, They're a minus 350 favorite also at BetMGM. Put the two picks together, Penguins money line and Warriors money line, and it's a plus 106 parlay. So let's risk $100 to win 106. All right. And that will do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest, the one and only Pete Rose. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And with that, John, please take us out. Yeah, Eric. Uh, so I chose five golfers to do well at the Masters and one to do surprisingly uh, poorly in, in DeChambeau. Mm-hmm. And all six events came through and I lost ground anyway. So <laughs> even in real life where I played Phil at top 20, top 30, top 40, and I tapped Zalatoris, yes, after asking my doctor if he was right for me, I <laughs> had uh, nine to one to win after 36 holes. And I only finished in the black because I won the week in my 30 week long PGA Tour golf pool to take over first place there. But this is the path for us amateurs, you know, forecasting who will do well is a large part of the battle, but line shopping, going proportional, you know, figuring out uh, all these little details, they're the next steps toward possibly, you know, winning a little bit. Uh, It's a long process too, but I hope to get there someday. And if I don't, it's not going to put too much of a dent in my wallet anyway. So with that, until next time, gamble on.